Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight, I'm going to uh, speak about Thomas, one of the other uh, apostles. And um, again, I'm going to be speaking about Thomas. And um, historically, they say he was probably born in Galilee. The year is not really known. Um, and also, he is nicknamed Doubting Thomas. And we'll soon find out why. He was one of the 12 apostles found in Matthew 12, Mark 3, and Luke 6. Um, let's look to see, to, uh, to see what kind of man Thomas was and how it could apply to us today. So turn with me to John 11, verses 1 through 16. Starting with verse 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the a town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was, that, uh, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in a place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will not get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your, your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Mary and Martha's um, brother Lazarus is sick, and they call for Jesus. But Jesus doesn't go right away. He waits a couple more days before going. Why do you think Jesus waits 
two more days. Because he's a procrastinator. You know, it wasn't high on his list of priorities. He had ADD and forgot. No, not at all. Let's go back to verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So why did Jesus wait? It was to bring glory to Jesus, to reveal his power to all those involved. When I read this, I'm, you may think, and I'm, I thought, Jesus loves them but waits? I don't get that. Why would he do that if he loved them? Well, because of his love for them and all those involved. He waits so that he would be glorified, and by doing this, reveals his power and builds the faith of those around. That shows the kind of love Jesus has for us. Maybe Jesus wanted to make sure people didn't use the excuse that Lazarus wasn't really dead. Just imagine what happens to a body after two days. I'm sure if you were to ask Pastor Joe, he would know. But I'm sure it's pretty gross. Something also we should remember. He, Jesus, always has our best interest in mind. You may be going through something right now. And you're, you've been asking yourself why. You may even be angry at God, maybe for not answering right away. And that's okay. But know this. God loved you enough to send his own son to die in your place. For a debt you can never repay. Do you think he would have gone to that extreme if he didn't care for you? If he didn't have your best interest in mind, would he go through that? He sees with eternal glasses, eyeglasses. And I'm not trying to minimize what you may be going through, but compared to what is awaiting us in heaven for eternity as believers in Jesus Christ, it's nothing. There are so many promises in Scripture we can hold on to. And here is one, <clears throat> one of my favorites. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Hebrews 13.5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's something to really hold on to when you're going through a hard time. Just knowing our Lord will never leave us or forsake us no matter what we are going through. Now regarding Thomas, Thomas's response, let's go back to verse 16. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, 
Let us also go, that we may die with him. As I read this, I thought to myself, why would Thomas say something like that? Maybe being the negative guy he seemed to be, he was thinking, look, you were already there, and they wanted to kill you, and now you want to go back. And of course, we are going to go with you, so I guess we're going to die with you. Or, another reason could be because of the love Thomas had for Jesus. And even thinking they could die there, he was still willing to go. That's the one I tend to lean on. Just getting to know Thomas. Even though he doubted, he may have been a little negative, he was very in love with Jesus Christ. So let's continue. Now turn with me to John 14, verses 1 through 6. Starting in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to, my, to the Father except through me. So as I read verse 5, I asked myself, again, why would or did Thomas ask this question? I said, maybe because of the love Thomas had for Jesus, the thought of being separated from, from him bothered him quite a lot. Or it could have been as simple as he really didn't know, and he just wanted to know. I'm not sure if it really matters why, but what I see as most important is Jesus' answer. He sees the bigger picture and how many others would and will need to know this and benefit from what he says. That he is the only way. So let's turn with me to John 20, verses 19 through 29. Starting in verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on, he breathed on them and said to them, 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them. When Jesus came, then the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he, Thomas, said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, something I don't even have in my notes here, though, but I noticed, too, is the other disciples recognized him right away. He didn't ha- they didn't have to put, you know, they didn't have to see the holes in his hands or even put his fi- fi- their fingers in his side. When, they, when he said who he was, they didn't doubt it. But now you have Thomas. And in verse 24, he says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them, but when Jesus came, he wasn't there. Now, why do you think Thomas wasn't there? Now, it's possible, being as negative as Thomas was and seemed to be, that he was totally destroyed when Jesus was crucified. Maybe he was off somewhere wallowing in his misery. His worst fear became reality. He lost, you know, Jesus wasn't around anymore. Jesus was gone, and he would never see him again. And maybe he was saying, I'm never going to find where he is either. Maybe he was regretting the fact that he didn't die with Jesus. He was feeling alone, betrayed, rejected, and it was over. The one he so deeply loved was gone. He was brokenhearted, shattered, devastated, and crushed. And he just wasn't in the mood to be around people. Even with the other disciples' excitement and telling Thomas about seeing Jesus, It wasn't enough for Thomas. He wanted the proof. Maybe it was too good to be true to him. He didn't want to be hurt again. Disappointed. And I'm sure we can definitely relate to that in some way or another. I know I can. Now when you get hurt and disappointed, next time you're going to test those waters. You want that proof. It's too good to be true. Again, it's my opinion, but trying to put myself in Thomas's place, I know I would have been devastated. And I think I would have wanted the proof also. Because it, I just would not, it would just be too good to be true to me. That the one I loved, who I watched die, is gone now. So let's continue, starting with verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, 
and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, notice something here. Jesus never asked Thomas anything. Jesus already knows of Thomas's unbelief. Being, uh, being Jesus, here he gently encourages Thomas in his unbelief and gives him what he needs. Jesus gives Thomas exactly what he needed. Thomas, is, Thomas now believes. How many times in our own lives have we doubted that he would do something in a particular situation? That what the Bible tells us about what is awaiting us in heaven as Christians is just too good to be true. Many times I have pondered on that thought and said to myself and to the Lord, what you did for us, for me on the cross, taking onto himself all of my sins, all that abuse and, being, and bridging that gap between us and his Father in heaven. And, and just trusting and believing in that we are saved. I've thought about it so many times and I continue to think it's just, it's, it just blows my mind because it, it's just too good to be true, especially of seeing all that's going on in this world lately. Something that we should not be relying on anything in this world and putting our trust in anything in this world. And we should be looking forward to Jesus' coming more and more and more because it's becoming more apparent that he's coming soon. And I know in the past many have said that, but the pieces of the puzzles have not, were not fulfilled yet. But they're coming now, especially with the um, things that are going on with Israel now. So let's take a look at Thomas in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Again, that's Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Keep in mind, this is occurring as Jesus' resurrection, so... I'm sorry, after Jesus' resurrection. So Judas is not included in the, the 11 disciples. He had um, committed suicide because he couldn't handle that he betrayed Jesus. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, and lo, in the New Living Translation, words it this way, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Here in verse 11, disciples are in Galilee, on the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. Jesus shows up, but some have doubt. It doesn't say, but I would guess that Thomas was probably one of them, who doubted, knowing his track record. There are at least two things I see here which should encourage us. One, that even the disciples who were directly under Jesus had doubt. They fell short as well. And the second is what Jesus says in verse 20. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This tells us, tells me, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what we are going through, Jesus himself promises to be with us always, to the end. Straight from Jesus. Again, I don't, I don't know what you may be going through right now, but just know that he's with you. And he promises that. Lean on his promises. Now I have a place waiting for me for eternity in heaven. And every time the Lord reminds me of how true and real this is, it continues to amaze me. And lastly, it doesn't say in Scripture, but according to various historical records, Thomas dies a martyr around 72 AD at the age of 53. Witnessing to the people in India according to historians. Now in closing, in our own lives, in our own relationship with Jesus, is our love or faith for him just as strong? Are we so strong in our faith that we would be willing to die for it if needed. Because that possibility is getting stronger and stronger every day in this world with all that's going on around. And as Pastor Joe has mentioned, it's already happening in areas in other countries. There are believers dying for their faith. And it's starting to happen here now with the terrorists. I think, well, let me go back. If you do have this kind of love for Jesus, this kind of faith, that's great. 
But if you're not willing to do whatever it takes to get there, you should be willing to do whatever it takes. And how much you desire to do it, that will determine what you will do to obtain it. So how much you want to be as close as possible, to have that close relationship with Jesus, and to have that faith that will stand in those times that you are challenged by someone. You may be challenged, maybe even for your life. If you want it that badly, you'll do whatever it takes to obtain that type of faith. Because I know I want that. And another thing, I hope this encourages you in a way that just knowing even a man like Thomas, a man directly under the discipleship of Jesus himself, and used mightily by God, had doubts at times. And lastly, I pray our desire to know Jesus, being close to him, and the fear of being apart from him is stronger than anything or anyone this world has to offer. Let us pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.